0: Uh, Some of you may have been like me this week. I I worked about uh, a day and a half uh, this week. I worked a half day on Wednesday, worked a full day on Thursday. But the rest of the week has been, has really consisted of kind of two things. One, wearing lots of pajamas and casual clothes around the house and eating lots of leftovers. Um, I had the same meal four times this week. Christmas dinner became lunch Tuesday, lunch Wednesday, Wednesday. And lunch Thursday. Uh, but I got sure to get the piece of beef completely eaten that we had on, on Christmas night. And, and and I read on someone's post on Twitter or Facebook this week that, that, you know, for those of us that are not familiar with extremely cold weather, I think we've had this phenomenon a couple of times in, in, in recent history in Southeast Texas. There's a phenomenon described as the polar vortex. a a, a really deep, really uh, kind of stuck pocket of cold air. And we had one in February, 2021 that got stuck over Texas. And you all remember that it took several days for that freezing cold weather to move its way out of Texas. Well, some people describe the period between Christmas and New Year's as the polar vortex. You don't know what day of the week it is, uh, you, you wear the same clothes two or three days in a row. You don't get much done. There's not much productivity. But as Michael touched on, for a lot of people, it's a time to reflect on the, the, the year past and, and, and look forward to the, to the year future and look forward to what God has in store for those of us that are believers, what God might have in store for us. For others that are not believers, it might just be self-help time. I've seen lots of Facebook posts this week about, this is my mantra for 2024. I'm going to live by this and not do this and, and do that. Um, there might be some slogans you know, that come to our minds. You know we're, Sometimes we're big on using the term vision. Our church has a vision that by 2030, we'll engage in 10,000 transforming relationships uh, with those in our lives and our community, uh, sharing the gospel, discipling, meeting needs, mentoring all the different ways that we can be Christ to the world around us, that's our that's our vision. But each year we kind of have a focus for that vision. We have something that we want to really laser focus in on. And maybe some of you, you're like me. You go into a new year and you maybe pick a word or a phrase. Like I was I was deficient in this area. I got my life was too complicated last year. So simplicity is gonna be my word for the year. That might be an example. Or maybe uh, you remember back if you, you you went to a college or you worked in an organization or a big school. I know when I went to Baylor, they had a, when I was a student there between 2002 and 2006, they had a, a plan, a vision plan called Vision 2012. And they had, they had several things. They were gonna raise some money, they were gonna build some buildings, they were gonna do all these programs, do all these things by 2012. It took them a little longer. Uh, One of those was to become a tier one research university, and they just reached that like a couple of years ago. So it took them a little past 2012 to get there. Uh, A number of organizations heading into the year 2020 had a vision 2020. You go to the eye doctor and you, you, you want them to tell you that your vision is 2020, that you don't need corrective lenses, that you don't need LASIK or PRK or something like that to correct your vision. And so there there were these organizations that had these vision 2020 that by 2020 they were going to achieve some goal or implement some plan and and, and most of us remember what 2020 was like or we're trying to forget what 2020 was like because all the plans that we had that we thought we had just went by the wayside in that year. Maybe you're thinking about 2024, I had a wonderful example about doing more in 2024, and then I got on Facebook and saw our staff evangelist and his wife, their vision for their ministry, John and Teresa Harper's ministry that they do, is more an acronym M O R E in 24. And so I was like, well, then they stole that from me. But I did think about this. Maybe you're a you're a young athlete and you're trying to to gain some strength and some weight. And so maybe your your vision, your mantra for 2024 is going to be eat more in 24. Or maybe you're the opposite of that. You're like, know what, don't eat more in 24. <laughs> maybe that's going to be your mantra as you go through that. But all of us, we, we've got maybe a, a New Year's resolution that we make and we maybe make it last a week or two or a month or we have a goal that we set uh, for, for ourselves or for our family or for organization, a team that we're on or a group that we're a part of or a business. And maybe some of those lead to some good things. But, but I think that most of the time, all of those things... Are, are inwardly focused things. And they're not wrong things. It's not wrong to want to be physically healthier. It's not wrong to want to be mentally or emotionally healthier and, and establish some goals and maybe put some guardrails in your life that prevent you from getting to places that are, that are not good and not where you want to be yourself. It's certainly healthy to have spiritual goals. Maybe to have a goal to, to read the New Testament through the year. Um, I, have, I have several different times started... Work through the middle of, gone to the end of, just this morning, I was reading from the the, the one year Bible that I've got and read the, the day December 31st after reading for for several months at the end of this year through the through the Bible in a year. Maybe some of you have done that. You've gone from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation through the Bible in a year. None of those things are wrong to have those goals, but but almost all of them, it's like what what can I do to make my life easier, to make my life better, to make my life more purposeful? And some of them, we'll be honest, are maybe just a little bit on the selfish side. Some of them, maybe they will have an impact on those around us as we are better people, better men, better women, better students, better families because of that. But I wonder if we can't maybe this morning agree to adopt a a mantra that will help us in relationship with other people. That will not be about us, but will be about people around us. And so this morning, I want to challenge you to consider the phrase, be a blessing, in 2024. And let me tell you three ways that I think that, that you and I can be a blessing in 2024. And we're going to look, this will kind of be a little bit different order of a sermon than you might be used to, where we look at a passage and then we talk about it. We're going to kind of talk about it a little bit and then read a passage that will give us a blueprint for that particular way that we can bless a certain group of people. And so the first group of people that we're going to be challenged to bless today is each other. I think in 2024 that we can be a blessing to each other. So in order to, to, to do that right, we have to understand who each other is. Well, if you're looking around the room, everybody in the room is each other. Everybody that was in this room at 945 is each other. Everybody that was in the room at 815 is each other. Everybody that's in a life group right now, or maybe Tuesday night, they're in a life group. They're going to be back on Wednesday night church when we start, a week from Wednesday night on the 10th, when we do that. They're they're not here today. They're traveling. They're out of town. They're a part of, they would say, this is is the best way to define who each other is. If somebody is to ask you the question, where do you go to church? And your answer is First Baptist Conrad. Whether you're a member here, you're a guest here, you've been attending your whole life, you've been attending one week. But if you would answer the question, where do you go to church with First Baptist Church Conroe? if that's the answer to the question, then you are each other. And everybody that answers that question is each other. So then how can we be a blessing to each other? Well, thankfully, Luke gives us a picture of, of what it looks like in the context of the local church to be a blessing to one another. Jesus has has died, has resurrected, has ascended into heaven. He's given the, the followers, the apostles, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Pentecost has happened, so there's several thousand new believers. And then Luke writes this about the early church in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42 and going through verse 47. He writes this in Acts and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul many many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and they had all things in common they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we get the first blueprint for this first challenge, to be a blessing to each other. And there's several things that the early church did that you and I do on a regular basis. And those are things that we're doing that are already a blessing to one another. But I think we can do more of that next year and in the years to come. I think we can be be more prayerful for one another. And not just the people we know in our life groups, not just the ones that we're friends with, not just the ones that we sit next to every Sunday, but as we cross paths with people in the atrium, as we cross paths with people walking to and from our cars, or we sit in a different spot maybe on a Sunday morning and meet some new people, or walk across the sanctuary and meet someone, or or we get involved in a new ministry and get to know new people, we can be praying for one another. That's one way that we can bless one another. You are a blessing to your church family when you give financially. When you follow God's call in our lives to be obedient with our finances and and, and answer the call to tithe and give your tithes and offerings, you are, you are blessing. You are being a blessing to each other by, by helping provide for, for missions and by helping provide for our student ministry and our children's ministry and our preschool ministry and our music ministry and our worship team and all the things that go on that help us do the things that God has called us to do as a church family. You're a blessing when you serve. At the conclusion of our service, we'll have a time when we we uh, hear a recommendation from the committee on committees about uh, voting and approving the new list of committees for next year. And this year we had a great thing happen. We put it out in the life groups. Hey, if you're interested in being on a committee, if you're willing to be on a committee, just write your name on the sheet of paper and turn it back in. And we got a longer list of names back than we needed to fill the holes for the new year. Some of our people have been on a committee for a year, some have been on it for two years now, and then some will start serving their first year of a three-year term this year, and we got more names than we needed to fill the open holes. What a blessing. I'd love it if if Kathy would come into staff meeting or Michael come into staff meeting and say, I've got too many workers. I don't know what to do with all of them. And we find creative ways to put people in service and, and working all across the life of our church, and that we'd be a blessing to each other. So how you relate to one another, how we do that, the world watches that. Because Luke writes about these things they did. They gathered together, they prayed, they worshipped, they taught, they shared meals together. And it says, in the last part of that verse, it says, verse 47, it says, they were praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. And I just think that's just a cool, cool testimony, a powerful testimony of what a group of people could do in a given place at a given time, the local church. Those of us who are Christians, we're a part of, of, of the big capital C church, the body of Christ all around the world. But some of us, many of us have chosen to say, this is a local body that I'm a part of, and I want to be a part of this group of people. And I want to join with them in the task that God has called them to in reaching their community and reaching the world for Christ. And so be a blessing to each other this year. And so the, the challenge and the question from this challenge is this. To ask yourself, maybe this afternoon, maybe before or after your your afternoon nap as you prepare for the New Year's Eve festivities tonight, just ask yourself this question or even write it down and then come back later and and see if God gives you an answer to it. How can I be, how can I bless my church family in 2024? How can I be a blessing to my church family in 2024? The second thing I think we see from Scripture, and we'll look at Matthew chapter 5 if you want to turn there and have that ready, uh, for just a little bit, Matthew chapter 5 will teach us and will give us the blueprint for this challenge be a blessing to others. So if each other is everybody who is a part of this church in some way, shape, form or fashion, then others is everybody who is not a part of this church in some way. And I think there's generally three groups of people in that in that category of others. There, there's people that that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and they are a part of some other local church. We're not trying to steal them. We're not trying to add our numbers by recruiting other people from other churches. Certainly if somebody chooses to do that, we'll welcome them with open arms. But maybe some, maybe somebody's in your life that, that God just said, you know what, well, I really want you to bless them. But maybe the other two groups of people are are, are more apparent in our lives. There are people who they, they would say, I, I do, I do know Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I'm just struggling following after him. They're not involved in a local church. They're not practicing, they're not living out their faith. And God's God's put you in their life, put them in your life for a reason. And maybe you blessing them in 2024 in some way, giving of your time for them, giving of something you have for them, just being loving and kind to them in in a way that is unique and is Christ-like. Maybe that's a way that you can bless them. And then that last group, uh, the group of people that we would refer to um, as lost, somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, Their eternity would be spent separated from God, if they don't come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior before uh, their time on this earth ends. And we know a number of people in that category. And God's called us to be a blessing to them. And obviously the greatest blessing that we can give them is show them the love of Jesus Christ and and tell them about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so I hope that you find ways to do that throughout the course of this year. But God may, may use a tangible thing that you can do for them to spark that conversation you choosing to actively be a blessing to them, to bring them a meal when they they lose a relative or or watch their kids when they've got a doctor appointment or do something for them in some way, befriend them at the, the cafeteria table at school when they're sitting by themselves or whatever it might be that God could use them to be a blessing to someone in their lives. But God gives us, through through his son Jesus Christ, he gives us three chapters of one of the the most powerful sermons ever preached. We refer to it as the Sermon on the Mount, and in the, the the three chapters in Matthew that that com- comprise the Sermon on the Mount are just full of examples of things that you and I as Christians can do to be a blessing to other people. And just listen to to the, some of the first few verses of this chapter, Matthew chapter five of this sermon, Matthew chapter five, starting in verse two. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Just think about what what our world would look like if Christians all across this world said, I want to be a blessing to other people, and I'm going to make it my goal. On a regular basis, to be poor in spirit. To seek after God and really truly mourn for things that break our heart, things that break God's heart. That we would seek to be meek, that we would truly hunger and thirst for righteousness in our lives. That we would ask God, how how can I be merciful today? How can I show someone around me mercy? How can I be pure in heart? How can I be a peacemaker How can I be prepared for persecution that I might receive for being faithful and obedient to God and showing righteousness in this world and being ready when others attack or persecute me in some way? And that we would seek God and that we would desire to rejoice and be glad each day and and, and seek after Him. And And then we don't have the time this morning, but to read through the rest of those. Maybe this afternoon, you just get out your Bible and you read the rest of Matthew chapter 5. You read chapter 6, chapter 7. You read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount and you see all the different ways that Jesus shows His followers, showed His followers in that sermon, and the way that He shows us how we can be a blessing to others around us. Maybe in the area of forgiveness, in the area of giving, in the area of, of our prayer life, or, or anger, all the different topics that Jesus covers in the Sermon on the Mount are ways in the Sermon on the Mount are ways for you and I to be a blessing to those around us. And so the, the, the question in response to this challenge is, is simple. How can I be a blessing to others in my life? So maybe this afternoon when you're thinking about that first question, how can I be a blessing? How can I bless my church family? Ask God the second question, how can I be a blessing to others in my life? And then the last one, we, we own this one together. You know, those, those two are individual, but, but this is one that, that we own together. And so if one, two, ten, a hundred, six hundred, 600, 1,000 of us here at this church say, oh, we want to take this on. I think God wants to use us in this way over the course of the next year and the years to come and it's this this mantra of be a blessing. The third challenge from that mantra is be a blessing to our community. Uh, this whole sermon normally I, I type out my sermon notes and I and I have them on usually one or two pieces of paper and laid out here, uh, but but I have these handwritten in a journal uh, that I'm starting off the year with uh, because it, it's something that whether or not anybody wants to join in on this or not, this is something that that I feel God has called. Me to do and to be about in the year 2024, and so I wrote it in here so that it would be at the beginning and I could go back and refer to it. And really, this started about six weeks ago. Uh, I was reading a book about discipleship called Multiply. It's a book our staff is looking at as a as a resource for us to use uh, for and with the church family in in one on one and one on two and small group discipleship. And and there's a section of chapters about uh, the what what it looks like to be a disciple in the context of the local church. And one of the pages writing about what it what it looks like to be a disciple in the context of the local church said, if your church is not being a blessing to its community, it's not fulfilling the calling that God has on it as a local church. I know I butchered that exact quote, but if you get the book, Multiply, it's about... I think I remember it's about page 86, page 88, somewhere around in there. Read that in the context of the local church. And, and that phrase, be a blessing, just has, has stuck with me for about the last six weeks. And as we think about what we can do as a church family, I think there's a number of different ways that we are already being a blessing to our community. But I think there's so many other ways that we can. But, but we get a blueprint for this in the Old Testament. We, we get the kind of the instructions or kind of the map, the roadmap for this. In, in Jeremiah's letter uh, to the exiled Jewish people in Babylon. So God's chosen people have been scattered abroad. They're not in their homeland. They're not under their home leadership. They're in a foreign place under imperial leadership, and they have no hope for, for ever seeing God's promises that they've known and they've believed and they've, they've memorized over the years. They're, they're, they're seeing that these are... They're feeling like these things are not going to happen. So they're in this foreign place with this weird leadership. And, and listen to what Jeremiah the prophet says about this word from the Lord. Starting in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4, he says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And here are his instructions for what to do while they're there. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. And this is where I think it's really important for us as a church family to, to really lean into this verse. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. I, I think it's it's no... Uh, coincidence that, that First Baptist Conroe is located physically where it is in downtown Conroe. Uh, this church, uh, many of you in this, in this room are, are, are newer to this church, newer than me. I've been here for 14 years. And before I got here, the, the church's leadership at the time brought uh, the opportunity for the church to, to relocate to some land that it owned in a different part of Conroe. And the church at that time decided, nope, we're going to stay right here. We're going to sell that land Reinvest that money into church planning, and we're gonna stay here in this downtown Conroe location. Fast forward to a few years ago, I got a pamphlet from a church member uh, who's a who's a, a leader in a bank in our community and is involved in different things in different civic organizations. And this organization he had gotten connected with was, was the downtown kind of de- economic development plan for downtown Conroe. Now, for those of you who don't know this, there's a vision, there's a plan for downtown Conroe to expand its kind of footprint from a, a nine square block area of which the road that's just on this side of the church was kind of the edge, the northern edge of that border to a 30 square block area that goes past our church. And, and what's really cool is he, he hands me this pamphlet, we flipping through it, reading about it, and one of the pictures in the pamphlet was a map of the Conroe area. I don't don't have it with me. I think I've misplaced it, but imagine this map here of downtown Conroe, and there's the arts and theater district on the south side of downtown Conroe, and there's the central Conroe courthouse and business district right here in the middle. Some of these residences to the north are being redeveloped. They're redoing some of the roads. Expanding all that, not exactly in the center, but pretty close to the center, was the only church listed on the whole map. We didn't make this map. We didn't ask to be on there, but it was First Baptist Church Conroe. Sitting right there in the middle of that map. And I really feel like that God said, you know what? First I was Conroe 20, 25 years ago, stay, stay where you're planted. And after that decision was made, the atrium was built. The church worked and bought ba- a block of Main Street so that it could join the two parts of its campus together. And so said, we're going to be here in downtown Conroe for generations to come. We're going to minister to families that live in this area. We've got partnerships with two local schools. Our church is partnered with Sam Houston Elementary School. Uh, a life group at our church is partnered with Anderson Elementary School. Uh, we had a group of people in our, one of our life groups serve a breakfast uh, in, in a downtown Conroe Park yesterday morning. Uh, we've got opportunities all throughout the week to minister to our community inside the walls of this church and outside of it as well. But I wonder, are we following this roadmap that the prophet Jeremiah wrote on behalf of the Lord to the Israelites? Seek the welfare of the city. Where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. But I take it even further. It's beyond Conroe. We've got people that live all over Montgomery County that come to our church. Half a dozen, a dozen families from our church live in the neighborhood that my family lives in. Many of you go to school with other people from this church. You work with other people from this church. A place you do business with and another business, y'all do things together and y'all both go to church here. See, God has placed our church, the people of this church, in this community uh, to be a blessing to our community. And so I think that as we think about what we can do together to seek the welfare of this city, of this community, of this county, then we also seek the welfare of our neighborhood, our neighbors, our workplace, our schools, our teams, our clubs, our organizations, everything that we're involved in. We've got a, a man on our staff named Jefferson Chagas. He's helping us out as a missions consultant prayerfully seeking God's direction on what, what we would do locally and beyond in the area of missions and outreach, partnering with other Southern Baptist organizations like the International Mission Board and Foreign Mission Work and, and the North American Mission Board with work and church planting in the United States, but also looking at what can we do every time there's an event in downtown Conroe? What can we as a church family do every time there's something going on in this area that our church and our people can be a part of, that we would seek the welfare this city that our church family would do that that our life groups would do that that pockets of people in this church would do that in their neighborhood i'm not asking you this morning to make a new year's resolution you may have one that you've already made i'm not i'm not asking you to to even adopt this mantra i'm just asking you to pray and ask god to show you how you can be a blessing to people in this church i think god's asking me i think god's asking us to see how we can be a blessing to others outside this church. And and I know for sure that God desires for us to be a blessing to our community. And so whether today out of the roughly 650 or so people who have attended one of the three services, maybe some have watched online that couldn't be here today, out of those people, is it five, a dozen, several dozen, all 600 plus of us that we're going to say, we're going to be a blessing to our community. We're going to follow God's direction. We're going to do the things that God has called us to do. And I think that if we do that, uh, some of what, if not all of what we read in Acts chapter 2 will start to happen. I know for sure that if we're committed to being a blessing to each other and we live that out, if we're committed to being a blessing to others and we live that out, and certainly as a church family, if we're committed and live out the mantra of being a blessing to our community, that that last part of Acts chapter 2 verse 47 will happen. That, that, that the Lord would add daily the number of those being saved. That we would see uh, people who are lost come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Marriages that are broken, being restored. Chaos that's in the lives of those that, that maybe are sitting in this room or in this community. That, that, that peace in the person of Jesus Christ would come into that chaos. And that we would see that. So I'm just asking you to pray. Read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. See, see what it means to live and be a blessing to each other this afternoon and prayed, ask God, how, how can I be a blessing to my church family? How can I be a blessing to other people? How can we, God, show me, show us as a church family how we can be a blessing to our community and watch God work in, in, in our church in, in ways that we would never imagine? Uh, not just next year, uh, but for years and prayerfully generations to come.